Father, we thank you for your goodness. Amen, church? There is so much here in this wonderful book of Joshua. And uh, when we started this journey of moving to the next level, this theme, I didn't realize that there would be such uh, nuggets and, and all kinds of other jewels. Although I should expect it, I'm not saying to minimize any of the content of the word. It's just my discovery that makes me glad. Verse number six, please. What you have here, brothers and sisters, is Caleb, one of the 12 original spies who went into the promised land when Moses was the leader. One of the positive guys who told him, let's go in right now and take the land. Who had, for the last 45 years, had to wait to go into the land. Because the other spies, with the exception of one, Caleb and one other, Joshua, said, we can't go. Impossible. And God says, all the doubters will have to die because you doubted me. Times change. It's 45 years later. Joshua is the leader. And Caleb has a request. Beginning of verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, Caleb speaking. And he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel was wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and how the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Verse 13. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephna, as an inheritance. Hebron or Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kinnizite, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Would you say amen to his word? Would you just, for a few more seconds, could you extend your hand in my direction? I would certainly appreciate your prayer for me as I pray for you together. Father, I, I'm not here to occupy a few minutes of time and I'm not here to make it laborious and boring. Oh God, I'm not here to operate the arm of the flesh, neither is anybody else. I pray for the breath of God. Amen, church? The breath of God to breathe on us again and again. I pray for inspiration and impartation. I pray you'd cause me to forget everything I don't need to say and help me to remember things I didn't even think about that you bring to my remembrance or to my knowledge for the first time. 
Make us one in the Word, God. Make us one in the Word. I pray for transformation because of your confirmation. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being seated in His presence. Keep your Bibles open, please. Let's look at this, this passage of Scripture. It is, I believe, in verse number 10. Would you look at verse number 10, the last few words? If you're there, say amen. Caleb says to Joshua, Here I am this day, 85 years old. 85 years old. I think anybody 85 years old have a right to be tired, don't you? Some of you didn't say amen. Are you 85? Anybody 85 years old have a right to be weary, to be satisfied with just sitting back and propping up his or her feet? I mean, this is Caleb. He's 85 years old and he just got through a 40-year march in the wilderness. But even though he's 85, he's not content with where he is. Because he's not quite got what he wants yet. He's not ready to sit back and take it easy. Instead, he says what we see in the scripture and what is the theme of our lesson today. He says to the man in charge who has the power to give, Joshua. He points in the direction of the mount and the place of Hebron. And says, give me this mount. I'm putting it in today's terms and I'm saying to you and I here on June 5, 2011, he was saying, I'm ready to move to the next level in my life. The question for all of us in this service this morning is this, are you satisfied with where you are in your life? Are you satisfied with the status of your family, your children, your grandchildren, your home? Are you satisfied with the status of your marriage? You know there's another level, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be attainable because there are too many uh, differences. And so you cannot just coexist paying the bills. Maybe in the back of your mind wondering if something better might come along. Are you satisfied with your finances and the level to where you are? Satisfied with just paying the minimal monthly payment on the credit card, knowing that it's still accruing interest at the rate of 12 to 26 percent. Never paying anything extra on the principal. And afraid to answer the phone because some other creditor might be on the line. Satisfied with your life today? Are you satisfied with your career choice, your education level, your business, your job? Or is there something knowing at your spirit, your heart, your mind, your dreams that says there is another level? And I would like to get there. And, and what about your spiritual life? What about our relationship with the Creator, God, the God of the Bible, Jesus, the Son? Are you satisfied with your spiritual life? Not, not trying to be controversial here, just trying to get right to the heart of things. I want to have a few minutes with you guys and on Sunday morning, so I just want to get to the heart of it. No time for kissing up, just telling it like it is. Are you still in a spiritual nursery? Are you still on the bottle, the milk of the Word, when you should be in the meat of the Word? 
You should be leading tours and tour groups to the mountain of God's victory, looking over God's promised land and saying, this is where God put me. should be taking tours there and climbing high and going deeper in the power of the Word of God and the baptism in the Holy Ghost and the gifts and talents we have. We should be laying hands on the sick and they shall recover, casting out demons in Jesus' name, taking authority, not having to dial 1-800-PRAYER-TOWER every time we have a storm. we got our own tower. <laughs> I feel a whoop. But I'm too dignified to act that way because you brought somebody you wanted to impress. Oops, wrong church. Next level. Next level. Paul, who used to be named Saul, got saved while traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus to kill Christians. The zeal of his Judaism told him, we've got to annihilate these people Christianity used to be first known as the people of the way, W-A-Y, the way. The Lord Jesus stopped him on a path on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus while he was riding on horseback with a few other companions. The Lord, Mabel, good to see you here this morning. I almost forgot. This is Mabel on my right. This is Mabel Moore who was in hospice for a long time. Last year, and they were getting ready to say goodbye to Mabel. And she's right here on this front chair in her wheelchair today. This is Mabel. That's somebody going to the next level right there. This is Mabel. Well, God's not finished yet. And could you tell me where I was before I said something about Mabel? That's okay. That that was okay. That's fine. Next level. Yeah. Paul... God shone a bright light. His name was Saul. Knocked him off his animal. And said, do you know who you're fighting against? It's hard for you to kick against God. I'm paraphrasing it. How many know you can't box with God and expect to win? And God saved him gloriously. Saved him. Turned him around. And then he became a crusader for the very thing he was going to kill. Because God wanted to take him to another level. And all his life, you never find Paul wanting to stay at the same level he began Matter of fact, one of of the sermons in this series that I'm probably going to preach, I'm thinking I am saying, matter of fact, is what Paul says to to the believers at Philippi, and he says about himself, about growing to the next level. In in Philippians 3, he says, I've not attained everything I want to, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The disciples, you know, they were kind of a motley crew. In and out, up and down, wishy-washy, kind of like I've been in my journey sometimes with the Lord, sometimes maybe you. But we can criticize all we want, but they did want to go to another level because on more than one occasion they said things like this, Lord, teach us to pray. Can I get an amen here? On on another occasion they said, Lord, increase our faith. Everything's okay. Okay, everything's okay. God's in control. Amen? Everything's okay. Thank you, Jesus. Point your hand in Mabel's direction and say, bless the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving her the capacity to come, even for this part of service. We bless her. Come on, somebody bless her. We thank you, God, because you are in control. Oh, hallelujah. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise. (laughs) Everything is all right. The lady with her is a nurse. (laughs) And the Holy Ghost is right there with her. Thank you, Jesus. Now, listen to me. I'm saying to you, I talked about Paul, talked about others, but I'm with Caleb. Okay? Now, I'm going to change this all around. Kayla, take me to the last slide. 
I'm just going to turn it all around here, the Holy Ghost. There are three kinds of people on the road to the next level. Three kinds. Okay? When you think about what it will take to get to the next level, Caleb is our model. He is our example in this scripture. And I'll talk about him just a little bit more here in a moment. But, but here, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Let me see if I can illustrate this with something that is tangible. I, I read some time ago that there's a place in the Alps, the mountainous Alps in Europe, where people go from companies or organizations for time of team interaction and for things like having to do with, with learning how to work with and function with one another. They go to this place in the Alps. It's a sort of a camp. And their desire as a team is to ascend one of the high mountains in the Alps. And to work as a team, helping each other to get there so they can enjoy the summit when they arrive. What happens is on the early morning, they get all their climbing gear together, the whole team. And they put all their paraphernalia on, and, and of course it's cold, and when they make this ascent, so they, they, they climb till about noontime. And they reach a level on the mountain that is known as the halfway house. It's time for a break. They get into the halfway house, they unload all their climbing gear, they take off all their, their warm and fuzzies and their gloves and all, and they go in for a nice hot lunch. And they go sit by the fire and they warm themselves and they relax and they sip hot chocolate or coffee. But the people who, who always who manage the halfway house and the host of the climbers say that almost every time when lunch is over, and the bell rings for the next half of the ascent. That one half of the people who started the climb choose to stay at the halfway house. Are you all still with me? They stay at the halfway house telling jokes, playing cards, singing by the piano, warming by the fire, looking out the beautiful picturesque window at the mountain. And having a big time. About four o'clock, a bell rings real loud. And it stops everything. <clears throat> they all at the halfway house rush to the big picturesque window where you can see the summit of the mountain. And it's glorious. But that bell has rung to indicate that the climbers have now reached their ascent. They are at the top and they are having a scene like they've never seen in all their life on this glorious mountain peak. The people who are at the halfway house who see groups come and go say the celebration of all that going on at the halfway house and by the fire and the piano and the music changes from a party atmosphere to a funeral atmosphere. Everything stops. Because all of a sudden... The people who stayed at the halfway house and didn't finish the climb realizes they are now at the summit. They are seeing things that my eyes have never seen. They are feeling things my sensation has never felt. They are at a peak and a, uh, and a point where I long to go and I started to get to and I'll never have the chance to do it again. They are there. 
And I say all that to tell you that that's kind of the way life is for us if we are trying to move to the next level. We start out good. The first of the three kinds of people that are making it or trying to make it to the next level are people that can be called quitters. We all know quitters. We have met some and perhaps we have been one. Can I get an amen somehow? Quitters don't try anymore. They just tend to be victims of something or somebody and they become bitter and depressed. I don't know if you've been around quitters. They kind of drag to be around. Sad sack, motley kind of crew. Nobody knows the trouble I see kind of people. Quitters. Go ahead and say amen. That way you won't be indicted. Don't have a lot of endurance. Quitters opt out of all the tests and trial and training that help you to get to the next level. When things get a little bit difficult, quitters quit. When adversity rears its ugly head, they opt out. Quitters are the people who jump out of their marriage prematurely. Quitters are the people who abandon their career because it's a little too hard. Quitters are those who quit believing God when unexplainable trouble comes their way. Uh, Quitters are the kind of people... Somebody says, if you give $10, God's going to give you 10000 And that ain't what that book says. Given, it shall be given to you. And God will bless you. But they experiment with God. And they're thinking, well, I'll give a little tip God a little bit and expect Him to make me a millionaire. And when He don't do it, they just quit on God. <laughs> quit as a prayer, a little lay me down to sleep, namby-pamby kind of little old prayers. Want God to move the mountains, and then they go living like the devil and wondering why God don't hear my prayers. Somebody need to help me preach, or I've been known to preach all by myself. Quitters, quitters. Uh, well, nobody called me. Nobody came by. Nobody. Did. Quitters have always have some kind. It's, it's, it's let little something come in, and they just quit altogether. I, I am not trying to be mean and I'm not trying to be difficult, but, but I'm here to tell you that any level worth going to will take perseverance, discipline. Can, can I get an amen here? The Apostle Paul, I can't tell you the number of times that he was beaten for the sake of the gospel. The Apostle Paul, I can't tell you the number of times he was thrown in jail for the sake of the gospel. One occasion they took stones in the city of Lystra, L-Y-S-T-R-A. I got a sister whose name is Lystra. I don't know why my mom and daddy named her Lystra. She don't know it either, but I love her and that's her name. In the city of Lystra, they took stones and pelted Paul and left him as dead. Paul says, according to his own testimony, he's been in perils in the ocean, in perils in the desert, in perils in the city, in perils every place else. And yet he continues to say, and this one thing I do. Paul goes on and he continues to say, if God be for me, who can be against me? I press, I press, I press. Not a quitter. Jesus was not a quitter. Somebody say amen. Amen. He had a lot of occasions to quit. The very people he fed bread to, the very people he calmed their storms, that some of the very people he cast out devils from were the very people who wouldn't stand up and claim that they know him on the day he was condemned and crucified. He could have been a quitter, but Jesus wasn't a quitter. And nobody going to the next level, being a quitter, is ever going to get there. Help me here, somebody. 
The second kind of people are campers. Now, I don't mind if you camp every once in a while, take your little tent and get your little Coleman lamp and have your little stove and have a little fun. That ain't nothing. That ain't what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is campers are those people who climb for a while and then decide they like it well enough halfway up the mountain. <laughs> I feel a lot of whoop glory coming home. But if I shout too loud, something you're going to shoot right out of your pew chair. They climb up the mountain to the halfway house and they decide, even though I know this is not the top of the mountain, I like the view. And I think I'm going to stay here a while. Campers go so far, but not all the way. They achieve some aspect of their goal, but they never finish. The attitude of the camper is, well, this is pretty good. I'm better than most people. It's comfortable right here. I think I'll pitch my tent right here and stay a little while. Got a little more education than most people. Got a little more house, a little more car than most people. Go to church a little more regular than most people. Pray a little bit more than most people. Give a little extra more than some people. And and therefore, I think that's fine. It's comfortable here. Campers join the halfway club. They're not total quitters. But they're not going to make it to the top any more than the quitters are. Can I get an amen here? You know what campers do? They take the halfway house campground and they make it their permanent residence address. Forward all my emails and my mail to this campground. You ever heard the saying that good is the enemy of the best? Well, you just did, so you go ahead and say amen. Good is the enemy of the best. All of us want to rest. All of us want a little break. And it's good to camp out a little while. But you're never going to see that sunrise from that different perspective and feel that breeze blow over your, your body and refresh you from that mountaintop experience and get, that, and get that, that feeling of conquest and knowing that this is where your eyes have been on for 45 years like Caleb. You're never going to get that if you stay camped out at the halfway point of what God has for you. Somebody here, help me. Help me. What I'm saying to you this morning is too many Christians are living in the low country when God wants us to live on the mountaintop. Give me another amen. Too many Christians are living in mediocrity. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be when God wants to give us power over the world and the flesh and the devil. Somebody say amen. Too many people are living as second class citizens and living as what might be paupers in the kingdom when God has wealth untold and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills also and he owns the gold in those hills and God is saying, come and climb up higher. The third group of people I'm talking about is Caleb, the climbers. Everybody say climbers. God wants us to be climbers. And Caleb shows us by his example that if you have a dream and God gives you a dream and you have a desire that comes from God, God will help you to get there if you'll be a climber. But to be a climber, you've got to have some certain characteristics. So now take me back to the slide after the title. Please, ma'am. If you're going to be a climber, you've got to be confident. <laughs> Y'all still with me? I'm confident you are, just sometimes. <laughs> In spite of the opposition, you keep on climbing. Can I get another amen? I say that because I want you to know that 45 years before the time you're reading right here, when Caleb was 40 years old, Moses sent he and Joshua and ten other men out to spy out what would be the promised land. 
And when the report came back, these 11 spies spent 40 days out in that land, sizing it up, looking at it, taking all kinds of knowledgeable input so they can give back to Moses and the people. They even brought some of the vegetation from the land. They brought a cluster of grapes that it took two men to carry uh, on a pole in between their shoulders. I think that's good vegetation. Amen. Here's the whole thing. Of the 12 men that included Joshua and Caleb, 10 came back and said the land is everything God said it's going to be. And it's got everything God says. But the people in the land are such of such tall physical stature and such size and frame of their feature that, that they are like giants compared to our size and our feature. And although the land is everything God says, we are not able to overcome those giants living in the land because we look like grasshoppers when compared to them. How many know in order for you to be a climber, you've got to get past limited thinking and what your eyes can see only? Somebody ought to say amen here. And so the ten of the twelve spies scared the remaining crowd who's supposed to go in the promised land, scared them into retreating. And Joshua and Caleb, however, was confident that they could go in and take the land. Now, here's what I mean. In spite of the opposition, in spite of the fact that, that Caleb was part of the minority report, only two people believed. In spite of it, he was confident. He said, God who brought us from Egypt and sent ten plagues will give us the land. God who brought us through the Red Sea and parted the water will give us the land. God who brought us to the wilderness when we got hungry, he sent bread from heaven. When he got thirsty, he sent water in the desert. That same God will give us the land. In spite of the opposition report, let's go take it. I'm confident in God. And I say that to tell you, brothers and sisters, that Caleb stood up for what he believed and he spoke for what he believed. And if you are going to get to your next level, whatever that is for you, if you're ever going to get anywhere in life, we must be confident about what we're doing. We must be confident about why we're doing what we're doing. We must be confident that if we are doing the will of God, if God showed us in His Word or spoke to us prophetically or spoke to us in prayer and told us this is His will for your life or for my life, then we must be confident if God gave us a dream or vision, God will fulfill His Word. In spite of the opposition, I I want to say that he was confident in spite of obstacles. Three obstacles came in his way. There were more perhaps, but three comes to my mind. Number one... The land he asked for, the mountain he asked for, of course implies that it was very rough terrain. Those who study that part of the world and those who pass down history from that ancient history tells us that the part of the land that Caleb asked for was some of the most dangerous land. There were walled cities. If a man 85 years old is going to conquer anything, it should probably be in a desert or a plain or flatland somewhere. As I have said before, but now he wants this mountain and the obstacle is how I'm going to master this terrain. It didn't shake his confidence. Obstacle number two was Caleb's age. Eighty-five years old. It was forty-five years from the time he saw that mountain and wanted to have it as his own. Forty-five years. How many of you know that forty-five years can take a little spring out of your step? Can I get a witness? I may know that 45 years addition to your life can cause some of your get up and go to get up and gone. You're 85 years old. The only walk you want to take is go to your mailbox and get your social security check or your welfare check. Matter of fact, if it ain't coming in, you might just want to walk to your mailbox to see if you're still alive. With God, age is not an obstacle. 
You may be 18, 28, or 88. If God has told you, you can have that mountain. You can go to the next level. Your marriage can be safe. Your body can be well. Your children can be safe. I don't care how old you are. God can do it. Admiral Joe Fowler, Joseph Fowler, was in the U.S. Navy during World War I and World War II. And while he was in the Navy, he was in charge of ship construction for the military as it relates to the west coast of the United States. He was responsible for the construction of, design and construction of the USS Lexington and the USS Saratoga, Admiral Joe Fowler. When the war was over, he retired because his mission was accomplished. He retired at age 54, Admiral Fowler did. But as a man who heard about him, who heard about Mr. Fowler, the man's name was Mr. Walt Disney. Mr. Disney got a hold of Admiral Fowler and he thought to himself, I've got a dream. I've got a dream to build an extravagant family theme park on the West Coast in California. People from all over the country and even the world can come and have a family theme park. I want to call it Disneyland. And he got to thinking, who can make that happen? And he thought to himself, for all the accomplishments that Admiral Joe Fowler did in the Navy, he's the man for the task. He called him up. He told him what he wanted done. It was 1955 when Admiral Joe Fowler finished the project that is now known as Disneyland in Anaheim, California. I've been to that one too. Crazy people go all over to get sick on rides. When Mr. Fowler finished that project, he was, he was called by Disney again because Mr. Disney said, you know what? I want to build a park just like that on the east coast of the United States in a state called Florida, and I want to call it Walt Disney World. You been to that one? I've been to that one too. And he figured as good a job that Mr. Admiral Fowler did in Disneyland, I want to build this Walt Disney World. He was 71 years old. And when he finished building Walt Disney World, and it was a challenge, Walt Disney World, because they were building in Florida swamplands. When he was finished, he was 77 years old, and he thought, I'd retire now. I think I'll retire. Mr. Walt Disney got a third idea. He thought, you know what? I want to build something that never, in any place else in the world. I want to build a, something alongside Walt Disney World in Florida, and I want to call it Epcot. You been there? Yeah. I've been there. Been everywhere, man. <laughs> just, just, okay, okay. He thought, I wonder what my friend Admiral Joe Fowler's doing. He's 87 years old. He calls him up, Joe. I got this plan. It took a little more convincing. They flew him down to Florida. Admiral Joe Fowler showed him the plan, showed him the sights, tell him what needs to be done and what they want. And his answer to Mr. Disney upon the invitation to Bill Epcot at age 87 was, can do, sir, can do. 
Somebody said to Admiral Joe at age 87, Why in the world are you 87 years old? You've done more than the average human being. Matter of fact, you've done more than numbers of human beings combined together. Why in the world you want to take on this challenge at 87? And Admiral Joe says, You don't have to die until you want to. I feel another hallelujah. I said, you don't have to die. You don't have to be a quitter. You don't have to be a camper. Bless God. You can be a climber if you will let the Holy Ghost fill you and empower you and press on. Somebody give the Lord some clap and some praise. Uh, let, me, let me tell you something. Another obstacle that Caleb faced was not just his age and the mountainous, but he faced the obstacle of giants. The people, he said, look, look in your scriptures. And it says here in verse number something, 12. Verse 12, the middle part. Are you there? Say amen. amen. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and the cities were great and fortified. The Anakim were the people of giants. Forty-five years ago they were there and they were still there because nobody had run them off. And I'm going to tell you something. If Caleb, 85 years old, was going to take that mountain, he wasn't just going to walk in and pull up a rod. No, he had to do some fighting. Isn't that what it says here in the Word? Can I get an amen here? He says in his confidence, I'm I'm 85 years old, but I believe God's going to be with me in verse 12. And I'll be able to drive him out. Let me tell you this, brothers and sisters. Whenever you decide to climb to the next level... You're going to get closer to God. You're going to read your Bible through in 2011. You're going to start tithing and giving. You're going to serve in the ministry of the church. You're going to love and and care for people. And you're going to be a witness. And you're going to build your marriage. And you're going to make a covenant to your marriage and your family and your children. You're going to do a good job on your job. Regardless if other people are slackers, you're not going to be a quitter. You're not going to be a camper. You're going to be a climber. Whenever you decide to climb to the next level, giants will show up. Y'all heard me? They are giants of emotions. Your knees begin to knock. While traveling to Africa with our bishop, Dr. Mike Baker, in March, and I'll share some more of my Africa stuff with you as we move into launching our project in June, he asked me to preach at the North Georgia, North Georgia Church of God camp meeting on tomorrow morning. Now, I preach, I preach here, I've been preaching for 26 years and more. But the challenge of the North Georgia Church of God camp meeting is that you preach to your ministerial peers. You preach to preachers like yourself. And I haven't met a preacher, including myself, who don't already know everything. Hey, I, I have sat in some of those settings sometimes, Brother Roger, and thought, as I heard camp meeting preachers, thinking, I can do better than that. And tomorrow I have a chance to put up or shut up. And that, that's, that's another, and I look forward to the opportunity, 9.30 tomorrow morning in Lawrenceville, Georgia. I look forward to it, but I want to tell you something. I've stayed close to God. My point is, I'm saying to you that giants of emotion, bless God, you'll fall on your face. Bless God, you can preach to your home people, but you can't preach to nobody else. Can I, can I get it? Giants show up and God challenges you. Giants of emotion. There are giants of naysayers. Can I get an amen? You tell some people where you're going and what mountain you want to climb and how you want to get there. And they'll tell you, you can't do that. Those same people, they ain't even going out their back door, much less up a mountain. They're happy to be squatters and quitters and campers, and they're happy to keep you there. 
There are always going to be naysayers. They're giants of financial giants. Giants of doubting. Giants of jealousy. I like what Jensen Franklin says. Jensen Franklin says, if you avoid giants because you're afraid, and if you want to be giant-free and conflict-free and problem-avoiding life, you'll never get ahead at all. I believe it. Let me hasten here. Caleb was confident because of the opportunities. Can I get another amen? Where he was headed, Hebron, the mountain, was to be the place of the promise of God. Can I get an amen here? The Lord promised them the land. Moses promised him the land. It not only was to be a place of promise, God has promises over all of our lives. Can I get another amen? And it was to be a place of plenty. It was known as the land of milk and honey. Hebron was the ancestral place of Abraham. Even some of Abraham's family members were buried there. Abraham himself. It's a place of plenty. It was a place of prosperity. Being a place of promise and plenty and prosperity. Why wouldn't anybody want to go there? He was confident of the opportunities. And lastly, Caleb was confident because of the omnipotent God. Oh, somebody say amen. I said because God is omnipotent. Would you take your scriptures and go to Isaiah chapter number 40 this morning, just real quick. And I'm going to see if I can't wrap this up together here. My, my, my. Isaiah 40. Are you headed there? Say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered in the hearts of those men and women who trust God and serve God the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Amen. If you Isaiah, Isaiah 40 is where I want you to be, and it won't be on the screen. It just comes now as the Spirit gives me impartation as He did earlier this morning. Isaiah 40, verse 25. If God calls you to be a climber, if the omnipotent God calls you to be a climber, to climb out of sickness, to climb out of financial debt, to climb out of fear, to climb out of drugs and alcohol or other kinds of substance abuse. Can I get an amen? To climb out of a negative past, an abusive past, to climb out of a bad break and bad life. If God called you, the omnipotent called you. He is the best companion to take you to the top. Preachers will fail you. Doctors will fail you. Parents, not wanting to, but sometimes have failed you. Can I get an amen here? Lawyers will fail you. Coaches will fail you. Business partners will fail you. Some people will promise you the moon and not even be able to produce a pebble. But if God says you can have it, the omnipotent. Look at verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Somebody say amen. On our way to the mountaintop, we've wondered if God even is there. If anybody understands our pain, our hurt, our sorrows, our afflictions. I heard where a nine-year-old child 
died this week in a drowning accident on the Chattahoochee. Nine-year-old innocent, precious child. And I thought, oh God, what will the parents do? At times like that, we we don't understand. Oh God, why did this happen? And we think, God, do you understand? And and, and Isaiah says his understanding is unsearchable. Look, Look at verse 29. He gives power to the weak. Have you ever been weak? I, I, I've been weak. Have you ever been weak? He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Oh, help me, Jesus. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. Our grandson is 16 months old. And his father sent me a video through the phone last night. Of him climbing everywhere. Climbing everywhere. He's got the spirit of a climber. I like that. You know? I didn't even think about how that fit in this sermon, but he's climbing. When he comes to our house, it takes all the attention of my wife and me to just take care of one 16-month-old boy. I, I, I told my wife, because when he leaves, everything is everywhere. And I said, when comes hurricane season this summer in America, they should name one of them storms after our grandson, Lakeland. Lakeland's coming through. (laughs) But the Bible says even the young people get tired. Can I get an amen here? The Bible says even the young men will get tired and utterly fall, faint. Verse 31. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord... Have I got any climbers here? Raise up your hand. Say, I want to be one. I want to be. Put them down. Here, here's, here's the word of God over you. And then we're going to pray. Here's the word of God over you. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The top of the mountain is where the eagles make their nests. I want to be one of those. Stand up, everybody, if you want to be one too. Oh, hallelujah. Put your Bibles on the chair and put your hands together and give the Lord some praise. Bring your praise to me. Come on, come on, praise Him. Raise up your hands now all over the church. I worship, I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give him some more. I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my source of The anointing is starting to be released from me. And before it's completely gone, I want climbers to come to this altar right now. I want, if you are a climber, I want you to come and raise your hands to the Lord. Before the anointing departs, it'll tarry. But if you're a climber, come up close. Come altar workers and raise your hands and sing that Miss Valerie and praise team. And everybody else, raise your hands. If, you, if you're going to be a climber and not a quitter, come. Not going to 
Raise your hands. Come on. Praise Him. devil's a liar. You, the devil's a liar. You know when you know you're saved is when the devil keeps telling you you ain't saved. Come on, help me here, somebody. I'm talking about some climbers here. you got to climb out of some situations, some problems, some difficulties. You have camped out, but you know that ain't getting you nowhere. You have quit and started, but you know you're at the halfway house and you're not satisfied if you can be at the top of the mountain. I want you to tell God why you're here in about 30 seconds of that. And then after that, I want you to thank him that you are marching forward. It's your praises that are going to bring your walls down, like it did Jericho. Can I get an amen? It's your confidence in the omnipotent. Say, God, I want my strength to be renewed like the eagles so I can climb a little bit more. You know why you came. Take a few moments and tell him why. Come on, everybody. You might want to raise your hands, but let's take the next few seconds while they play softly. And I want you to pray out of your spirit. Go ahead, right now for yourself. Father. I'm praying. I'm climbing out of fear. Come on, you tell him what your stuff is. Tell him what your baggage. I'm climbing out of laziness. I'm climbing out of condemnation. I'm climbing out of bitterness. I'm climbing out of being a victim. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. God, I'm climbing out of naysayers and giants in my life that causes me to crawl in a hole and hide and think God's passed me by devil you are a liar come on i want you to be confident now i want you to be confident say god you made me a promise in the bible and i'm going to get it you made me a promise go ahead thank you jesus go ahead go ahead go ahead you're there you're there oh blessed be jesus after you've told him now begin to praise him out loud i love you jesus come on say lord i believe lord i confess with my mouth and i believe in my heart the lord jesus if you're climbing out of sin confess it right now Say, God, I've sinned. I know I've sinned. You know I've sinned. Other people know I've sinned. I'm climbing out. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Go ahead. Pray that way. Wash away my sins. Cleanse me today. Go ahead right now. God, I'm not going back to that relationship. I'm not going back to that location. I'm not going back to that crowd of losers that's dragging me to hell. I'm climbing out of that. In every victory. Sing it while while, while it's... In every victory. Now praise it.
help me here, Donnell? I want you to. I want to illustrate something. I have decided to follow Jesus. Here's what I'm gonna do. If I'm gonna climb, I need some help. Just hold your hand like that. I need. To, I need to be with this man. You understand? If I'm gonna climb, especially if I'm 85 years old and got some crevices and cracks and all, I need a help. Come, brother. I need. I need some help. Somebody just on this other side. <laughs> because. The threesome of God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you got Him with you, okay? So I want this. I want this kind of unity in this body. I want if I these guys I'm saying, no, not you, not now, Pastor. No, 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 no. I, I want to be. I want them to be that for me and need for me for them. We gonna need some help climbing. But when we all get up there together <laughs> and the bell rings, we are gonna have some dancing. So what I want you to do, thank you, gentlemen, is lay your hands on somebody's shoulder either side of you and pray for your fellow climber. Pray for somebody beside you. They're climbing and they're going to need you to hold them up. You pray over them and say, God, I don't know what they're climbing out of, but I'm going to be there to pick them up if they stumble. Come on, don't be a, come on, pray. It may be a stranger you're praying for, but that don't, okay, they're not a stranger to God, neither are you. God, I want to be their left and their right hand help. I want God the Father, God the Son, God the... Come on. God, I pray for their marriage. I pray for their bodies. I pray for their finances. I pray for their son, their daughter, their grandson, their granddaughter. I pray for their business. I pray, oh God, you give them joy. I, I, I pray you'd help them to have a... Oh God, if they need a house, if they need a car, if they need a job. Come on. These are my fellow climbers. And we are not going to be quitters. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I have decided. I have decided to fall.